Welcome to Everyday News with the Blantons. That's Dr. Latasha and Mark Blanton. On this show, you'll learn through education, awareness, and promotion exactly how you view the world and your place in it. Now, here are the hosts of the program, Dr. Latasha and Mark Blanton. Welcome and happy Monday. You are listening to Everyday with the Blantons. I am your host, Latasha Blanton, and absent today is Mark Blanton. He will do his segment at another time. Please connect with us on social media by liking and following us on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram or on our website, therealsouthafrica.com. You can also send us an email to info at therealsouthafrica.com. So today we just want to take a little bit of time to share with you who we are mainly me and give you some information about my background. Uh, The show was initially designed to just introduce to you who I am and why we've chosen as a husband and wife team to do the show on the Voice America Network. I'm going to discuss a little bit about how we met. His version will be different from my version just simply because men and women tell stories very differently. We'll talk about our life as entrepreneurs and how we made the transition from being employees to employers. We'll discuss a little bit about how we chose to navigate the obstacles that we faced in that move as well. We'll speak a little bit more candidly um, about the transition as we move forward uh, going from one segment to the next. So a little bit about my background. Um, I come from a very small town. Um, The town is called Rustburg, Virginia. You probably can't find it on a map. Um, It's right outside of uh, Lynchburg, Virginia, which is where Liberty University is. And I'm sure a lot of people know where that is. I grew up in a town that only has about two stoplights now. It Initially, I think had one growing up, but now it's down. I think it's up to three. So that was um, exciting when we got our second and third stoplights. Um, the cool thing about where I grew up is that the town is actually separated by <laughs> railroad tracks, like seriously, like in the country. Um, so most of the people live on one side or the other. The cool thing about that is that the families all basically lived on one side. So on one piece of land, it was um, a luxury now that I think about it to have that many generations on one plot of land. So there was my grandmother, my great grandmother and great grandfather, aunts, uncles, all kind of living in the same area, which made it super, super wonderful to be able to hop houses and eat food and play with your cousins. So definitely grew up in a town where Everyone knew each other. The neighbors were pretty much your family and or extended family on some levels, cousins, aunts, uncles, those types of things. And it made it really, really nice growing up in a town that small. Um, I want to tell you a little bit about how I got my name. Uh, my name is Latasha. Like I said earlier, my father's name is Curtis. Um And his middle name is Lorraine. So I'm thankful for my name being Latasha just simply because uh, they were going to name me Curtissa Lorena, which is basically Curtis with an A on the end and his middle name with an A on the end. And unfortunately, I'm pretty sure everyone that's ever heard me tell them my name was almost Curtissa Lorena. They say they would not have been my friend. Um, My mother tells me that 
when she uh, gave birth to me, she was not sure she, what she was going to name me. And that a random lady who I call my angel to this day simply said, why don't you name her Tasha? And she decided to put a la on the front of it. There and behold, my name is Latasha. So I'm thankful for for that. Um, so growing up, um, they just shortened it to just calling me Tasha, which is usually what I go by most of the time. Most of the time, um, or in my profession now, people call me Doctor B, and that's just short for Doctor Blanton. Um, the cool thing about growing up is that because there were so many cousins and um, kids growing up, you basically had to find something to do because if you weren't um, doing something, you would basically end up in trouble. So around the age of nine, I got introduced to um, what we call in our area, uh, Dixie Youth Softball. So to keep from being bored, I decided that I would start to play softball. And I started that around the age of nine, um, played softball all the way up until I graduated from high school. And that made it easier because you had some place to go besides being at home. So you had practice that gave you something to do during the week or weekends versus not having anything to do because there was nothing close by. The only that you could really do growing up was maybe go across the railroad tracks to the library. So where we read books a lot or to the uh, parking lot, not a parking lot, but the basketball court across the street from the one store that we had uh, to play basketball. And it was mostly boys doing that. And I did not actually start to play basketball until I was about, I want to say 13, well, between 11 and 13. And that simply happened as a result of me not making the cheerleading squad. So, um, kind of got thrust into basketball uh, simply because I <laughs> didn't make the cheerleading squad. And I'm not even sure what really made me think I'd be a good cheerleader. But nevertheless, um, started playing basketball, um, loved that. So I was still continuing softball, started basketball. And then soon after that, um, wanted to find something else to do because it became uh, a habit to not go home after school. It was nice to finish school and then have practice and then go home later because there was really still nothing to do, you know, where we grew up. So ultimately ended up um, uh, playing volleyball. So I played sports year round, basketball, volleyball and softball. I played softball for the school and I played in the summer. So I did that all the way up until I graduated, as I said earlier. Um, took those sports uh, to the end of high school, decided not to continue them in college simply because I was not that type of athlete. I basically only played sports to keep from going home after school um, because, uh, like I said, there was really nothing to do at that point. The closest town was Lynchburg, which is basically about 15 minutes away and if you didn't have a car or your parents didn't drive you you weren't just gonna go hang out in the next you know city over so you basically had to make sure you had something to do after school um and then 
finished my high school years, went on to High Point University, where I graduated with a Bachelor of Science in Exercise Science, knew at a very young age that I wanted to be a uh, physical therapist. Um, Probably around the same time I started playing basketball, my dad actually had gotten uh, hurt at work and he attended a physical therapy for a couple of sessions. And around that same time, um, I went with him to a couple of sessions and decided that that was something that I wanted to do. So that was my focus and then studied um, the prerequisites for physical therapy prior to going to my um, graduate school, which was down in St. Augustine University. The school I went to is a mouthful to say. It is the University of St. Augustine for Health Sciences um, down in St. Augustine, Florida. Uh, Spent um, the time there that was required to get a doctorate degree in physical therapy. Graduated in 2004. Um, I've been practicing physical therapy since then, so definitely coming up on um, the beginning of year. Actually, this is the beginning of year 15, actually. Um, And then in the meantime, uh, decided to do a travel physical therapy position. And what that basically is, is if you don't know where you want to live or you don't know what setting you want to practice in, you are allowed to do assignments in increments of eight and 12 weeks, which is about two to two to three months each time. And that allows you to kind of see where you want to live, what setting you might want to work in. And during that time, um, I ended up taking a position down in uh, Roanoke, Virginia. Um, And that is where I was living at the time when I actually met my husband. The, my initial travel position was actually in Richmond, Virginia. And coming out of school, I ended up having to make a really tough uh, hair decision. <laughs> and uh, if you are a woman, and uh, and sometimes in most cases, uh, a, a black woman, when you're making the decision to transition from relaxed hair to natural hair, you want to make sure you have the right person do that because it can be a absolute struggle. And I found a place that I loved and this particular person um, who still does my hair to this day, uh, helped me transition my hair. So I am traveling from Roanoke at the time to Richmond uh, to get my hair done. And this particular day, I stopped at a Barnes Noble bookstore because a uh, new digitally remastered version of The Little Mermaid came out. Don't judge me. That is my favorite movie. Will always be my favorite movie. Just saying. Um so I'm in the bookstore and I'm it's PSL season and everyone knows that we're coming upon PSL season now, which is pumpkin spice latte season. And we're coming up we're on pumpkin spice latte season and I am in the basically children's section looking for this DVD that's digitally remastered for the umpteenth time at this point. Um for the Little Mermaid and I get in line and I order my grande pumpkin spice latte with extra whipped cream and behind me is this guy and he very manly says you know I'll have what she's having and I'm like what is this dude even talking about like I'll have what she's having so I grab my drink I'm like whatever I go back over to the section where I was because I'm still trying to decide like if I'm going to get, you know, the DVD or how I'm going to get it or not. And um, 
he says something to me and he is like he says says hello and asks me can we talk for a little bit so we end up talking for probably what felt like forever but was really probably only about maybe like an hour um and um had a really great conversation it was nice we laughed it was kind of weird because I kind of felt like I knew him a little bit um he had somewhere to go that day at the time he didn't even live I don't even know he was in Richmond on a for something completely different it was one of his days off and he will tell you his version of the story at a later time um and he he left he went back to where he was living which is where we live now which is in northern Virginia um in Stafford and um he he went back to where he was supposed to go to and he didn't tell me this version of his story until after the fact but he actually had a date that night with some other female I didn't know that we were just having a conversation so there was nothing that was you know wrong with that situation um but he ultimately gets back to his home and decides that he's going to cancel his date with this girl to see his favorite artist which I find out later is uh, Lionel Richie. Um, so he doesn't go to this concert because he met me and he said that when he met me, he was done. So, uh, we talked on and off for, you know, about a month. I didn't see him very often. Cause he, like I said, he lived in Stafford, Virginia and I was living in Roanoke and that's a pretty long drive. And I was only driving to Richmond probably about once a month to get my hair done. So we basically, uh, didn't see each other again until, I want to say around December, he invited me to a uh, Christmas party, and the Christmas party was at the uh, vice president's house, uh, vice president's residence in D.C., and um, if you've read a little bit about my husband's background, he was former Secret Service on the vice president's detail, so when we met and he was talking about his job me being the person that I was I was like I'm not gonna be super impressed with whatever your job is like I've got a doctor degree like what who cares that you work for the secret service um I was impressed I can't say that I wasn't but I wasn't like in a position where I was like oh I'm gonna drop everything and act like you're the greatest thing since sliced bread even though he was um then we Went, he invited me to a Christmas party, and um, the cool thing about the Christmas party was that I did actually get to take a picture with, um, at the time, it was the Cheneys. So that was a really cool um, experience for me to get to go to... Um, get to go to the vice president's house for his Christmas party. So um, it was definitely one of those things that I would say kind of stuck in my head during our dating process. So um, uh, after that, we decided that um, we were going to become an actual couple. So I did exactly what I said I wouldn't do. And that is drop everything uh, from my life in Roanoke, Virginia. And I moved to Stafford, uh, Virginia. And that in and of itself was a weird transition because I was moving further away from my family um, and having to embark on a situation where I went from traveling and having new experiences on a regular basis to um, determining if I was going to take a full-time position or not. So, um, 
decided to uh, move to Stafford and, um, you know, leave my house in Roanoke and come to be with him. So um, we are heading into our first break. So we'll be right back in a minute. In the meantime, please visit our website, therealsouthafrica.com. And please send us an email to info at therealsouthafrica.com. Don't forget to send questions via Twitter or on Instagram and Facebook. Thanks so much. We'll be right back. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Conservation starts with us. Learn about environmental concerns each week when you tune in to Our Wild World with host Ellie Weiss. Our show centers on Africa each week and what's being done to save our wildlife, ecology, and ourselves. However, we'll also discuss what's going on closer to home. And most importantly, we'll let you know what can be done in our own backyards by featuring guest experts and featuring your questions and answers. Listen every Monday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. Voice America is where you are and where you want to be. Join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available. Don't forget to view all our live events, including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. Voice America presents a new kind of health awareness talk show, the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. Show host Sharon Kleina interviews leading scientists to discover how each of us can become proactive in protecting our personal health environment in an increasingly unhealthy world. Every show offers new information that could save your life. The Sharon Kleina Hour is health from an environmental perspective, your ultimate source for a personal environmental lifestyle. Listen Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel and Wednesdays at 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. You are listening to Everyday News with the Blantons. Want to find out more about the program? Send an email to info at therealsouthafrica.com. Now, back to Everyday News with the Blantons. Welcome back. You're listening to Everyday with the Blantons, and today we are talking about me. <laughs> Just a little bit about um, where uh, 
us, your guests, Mark and Latasha. So I'm just going to recap really quick. Where I left off was basically me making the transition to uprooting myself from Roanoke, Virginia to move to uh, Stafford, Virginia with Mark and taking a full-time job as a director at a facility that was not very close to our house. Um, so it was about a 45-minute drive, which is typical for this area, which I did not know moving up here. So I was not used to driving in the traffic and that in and of itself was just a lot to try and get used to. Um, eventually, after taking the full-time job, Mark and I decided to get married and when I say Mark and I decided to I should say Mark decided to propose to me and I decided to accept um so we got married uh was working as a director at a facility Mark was having his experiences in the secret service meeting different types of business owners and hearing their stories and he had already had his own business and he'll explain that to you later um just on the side of what he was doing at the secret service and he had already had like a little bit of the entrepreneurial seed planted in him i had always thought about owning a business didn't really know how i was going to do it had always talked about it even fantasized about it wrote stories about it not really knowing how it was going to happen he was working a lot at the time and I was working, like I said, you know, about 40, 45 minutes away from home. So because he was traveling so much with the vice president, what I decided to do to help out since we did not have any children together, we just have um, his um, his daughter. So a stepdaughter who did not live with us at the time, I decided that it would make more sense for me to help out the family. He was working overtime. So I took on a job working a home health position, which is essentially a situation where physical therapists go into patients' home and do their physical therapy there. So that was a situation at the time. And I was doing that in conjunction with being the director of a facility um, about 40 minutes from home. During that time, I was working at the home health facility one of the ladies there approached me and simply said, look, you're the only physical therapist we have on staff with a doctorate. Why don't you quit? I'm like, why would I quit? You're paying me great money because they were, because it was PRN, so it was great money. Why don't you quit and contract yourself back to us as an independent contractor and then we can pay you more money and you know they'll definitely pay you because you're the only one on staff with a doctorate so at this point I'm like why would she even recommend (laughs) her company to pay me more money but you know it it worked out so I come home and I'm like Mark you're never gonna believe you know what happened I'm you know, up at the home office for the home health facility. And I'm talking to the lady that's my immediate boss. And she suggested that I quit. And he was like, why would she tell you to quit? I'm like, I don't know, but this is what she said. And I was explaining to him why she thought I should quit. So at that point, I'm like, hmm, maybe this is an opportunity for me to, you know, kind of have something on the side, but it won't be like, another job it'll be like my own business kind of like he had his own so it would still be an opportunity for us to make more money 
because there really wasn't any reason for us not to work and make money. We were both young at the time or younger at the time, I should say. So working is not a concept that is uncommon. So he thinks about what I've said. He his past as a military, um, as an army recruiter, um, made it easy for him to understand how those transactions work or how to sell something. So that wasn't my thing. So I just kind of explained to him what the lady at the office has suggested. So um, he says, make the appointment. So I'm freaking out because I'm like, make the appointment with who? He's like, make the appointment with the person in charge. And I'm like, okay, what are we going to say? He goes, don't worry about that part. Just make the appointment. So I follow his lead and um, we go in there and we, we make, I make the appointment. And at this point we've already decided what we're going to name our business and um, how we're going to, you know, try to make it work. And um, he goes in there and he builds a rapport like he says you're supposed to do. And he ultimately convinces her that contracting us because they like me as a therapist that worked for them PRN anyway, that I was I would be able to bring that same level of care as a business owner. And I would be able to bring other people with those same sets of skills with me on my company team. So, you know, we're getting down to the process of having to negotiate a contract now at this point keep in mind we don't have a contract in hand we don't know what a contract even looks like we've never done this before at all so we get to that point and the lady says well why don't you guys send me your contract and we'll review it so mark being the guy that he is and he says well you know, you probably have set up more contracts than we have. Why don't you send us your contract? We'll review it and we'll let you know if it works for us. So lo and behold, she emails us a copy of a contract. And um, that's how we were able to start the home health version of our company. Um, We did that from about 2000 and eight, I believe it was until 2010. Now, keep in mind, I'm still working one job and we're and we're doing the home health on the side. And when we're doing the home health, when we went in there and signed that contract, the only therapist we had available was myself. So we had two months to secure physical therapist, which is why I thank God that he was an army recruiter and he found therapists that were going to actually be able to provide care to this caseload that we didn't know was going to grow the way that it did. And we were able to find therapists and we were able to do that for the amount of time that we did. Um, He had a gut feeling a little bit down the road that we, you know, even when you are a business owner, like we were with the home health portion of our company, that at some point you really have to be autonomous because when you contract with someone, they ultimately decide how much work they give you or they don't give you. So he had the um, wherewithal to say, okay, at some point, because we had a really large contract and a really large uh, staff at the time, you know, and they were paying us, you know, um, as a 1099 employee, that there was going to eventually be a problem. And there was. So in preparation that there might be a problem, we decided to transition from home health in our area to brick and mortar and actually open up an actual facility. And the premise behind that 
was that we would treat the people in our local area. Um, and Stafford, Virginia is right next to uh, Quantico, which is a military base. So very strong military town. And the premises was that we would help our the people in our community, which makes sense. So we would help them at home and then we would transition those same people into our facility, which would, from a physical therapist standpoint, increase the continuum of care. So at that point, if you're knowing anything about healthcare, they always wanted it to be quality. They want you to be able to you know, see the same person from beginning to end. And we were, our premise was that we would be able to deliver that. Uh, So we started the brick and mortar uh, company and the background behind opening the business as far as like finding the building and those types of things. That's something that he did because that is his background and he does, and he can tell that part a whole lot better than I can. So we, ultimately uh, started the brick and mortar business in 2010. Um, and we started with one facility, which is about 1200 square feet. And then transitioned from that to uh, 2400 square feet. And then ultimately, the ultimately into a second facility. And we operated under that premise until just recently in 2018. So we used his resources, his background as a army recruiter, um, his background in sales, which is the same as being a recruiter, to allow us to get those buildings, to get that contract, me to be the owner of the two facilities and the home health company. And they all kind of worked together for a while until we ultimately stopped doing the home health and focused on the uh, facilities themselves. So we just use the resources that that we had already within ourselves um, to to do what we did then, and to ultimately do to do what we're doing doing right now. I mean, some will definitely tell you that you know when it comes to being an entrepreneur that it has to be something special you know mark will tell you and i will second it it's really about taking a risk and trust me you know it was difficult to take the risk and quit you know the jobs that i had leading up to starting the businesses at the time that we started the first business like i said i was working full time someplace else so that became the side gig and then ultimately we moved from that and i decided to discontinue that position and just focus on the home health business full time and i did that and was able to manage that properly and then we went from there to me working in the facility full time during all of this, he was actually still working for the Secret Service. So he's working full time and I've transitioned out completely by 2009 to just working for myself. So his transition didn't actually come until 2012 when we opened up our second facility. And that was a hard call to make as well because it was difficult for me to run both facilities and he was doing so much for the business, even though he was still working full time. So I kind of asked him kind of selfish now that I think about it, you know, I asked him to quit his job. I asked him to quit his job working for the secret service. And he, and he did that for me. So 
But that's why we were able to continue the amount of time that we did, because had he not done that, it would have been very, very difficult for me to try and run the two facilities without his without his assistance. So as we think about those types of things and when you talk about taking risks and you go from making the amount of money he was making, which is guaranteed money, for lack of a better term, you know, you're going to get paid every other Friday or however they got paid. I don't even remember now. It's been so long to not really being sure when you're going to get reimbursed, (laughs) when you're going to get paid from an insurance company, when you're going to get paid from a patient. And we gave all that certainty up. And I can't say that I regret any of it. It was definitely um, something that I've enjoyed um, and something that I would encourage others to do if you are able to take that risk, because it is a lot of sacrifice because you go from, you know, working 40 hours a week for, you know, maybe a lot of money to work in 80 plus hours a week for very little money at the beginning. Um, so at that point, we just kind of decided that it was worth it to be our own bosses than it would be to continue to work for somebody else. In 2018, earlier this year, we decided to transition once again and we moved out of the world of physical therapy and moved into you listening to my voice right now. <laughs> and um, we are grateful for the opportunity that Voice American has given us. So what we're going to do right now is we're going to take a, another quick break. Please remember to visit our website therealsouthafrica.com and send questions to info at the Real South Africa. You can tweet me at lblanton32 and you can also follow me on Instagram at drblanton2. We'll be right back in a quick moment and I hope you're enjoying what you're listening to. We'll be right back. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Voice America presents a new kind of health awareness talk show, the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. Show host Sharon Kleina interviews leading scientists to discover how each of us can become proactive in protecting our personal health environment in an increasingly unhealthy world. Every show offers new information that could save your life. The Sharon Kleina Hour is health from an environmental perspective. Your ultimate source for a personal environmental lifestyle. Listen Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel and Wednesdays at 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Conservation starts with us. Learn about environmental concerns each week when you tune in to Our Wild World with host Ellie Weiss. Our show centers on Africa each week and what's being done to save our wildlife, ecology, and ourselves. However, we'll also discuss what's going on closer to home. And most importantly, we'll let you know what can be done in our own backyards by featuring guest experts and featuring your questions and answers. Listen every Monday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. 
The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. Voice America is where you are and where you want to be. Join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available. Don't forget to view all our live events, including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. You are listening to Everyday News with the Blantons. Want to find out more about the program? Send an email to info at therealsouthafrica.com. Now, back to Everyday News with the Blantons. Welcome back. You're listening to Everyday with the Blantons. Thank you so much for spending this time with me. I know we've gone over quite a bit about who I am and where we've been, and now we're going to head into where we are going right now. Uh, We are on the Voice America Network. We are thankful for the opportunity that they've given us. And just a little bit about why we chose them, basically because they are are number one at what they do. And we wanted to use that platform that they have to promote ourselves and kind of educate people on what we're essentially doing now, which is the RealSouthAfrica.com. So that is actually my husband's baby. That's what I will call it. And the story behind the Real South Africa is not one that we take lightly, but it goes all the way back to around the same time that we started our initial business. So it's been a long time in the making. So if I can take you back to around 2009, at that time, um, I'm working full time still. And we do have the business of the home health on the side. And I am not supposed to be home this particular day. I'm supposed to be at the office. And I come home and it's one of his days off during the week because when you work for the Secret Service, ironically enough, uh, your days off are like, a Tuesday and a Wednesday or like a Tuesday, Thursday, like you never even have like two days off together. So uh, weekends were definitely one of those things that we didn't get to spend together. So this particular day was his day off. It was during the week and I came home again. Like I said, I was not supposed to be there at all. And I came home to bring him lunch so that we could spend some time together because, you know, the weekends he was working or traveling And on the television, there was a show that was basically referencing um, um, black people living in South Africa or basically changing their lives and living the dream 
in South Africa. These were doctors and lawyers and people that you wouldn't expect to leave their high-powered jobs as owners on this side to move to South Africa. So that's around 2009. And we're watching that show. I think can't even remember what channel it was on. I want to say maybe Showtime, I think it was. Um, anyway, so... I'm supposed to get back to work, but this show was intriguing. I think I watched the last 30 minutes of it. And we're both amazed at the fact that they were talking about the cost of living being cheap and how you could really just get the best of the best of what you thought you could get here. But it was better there. So we're like, nah, well, well, maybe not so much. So the very next year is 2010 and it's the World Cup. And it was crazy because the vice president was going to go to the World Cup at this time. So I'm going to take a side note. They're going in June. June is basically winter in South Africa and summer here. And he (laughs) he's leaving and I want him to have an iPad for his birthday. It is crazy because there's no iPads in the area where we live at all. I have to order an iPad and go back to the area where we initially met in Richmond. Um, and I'm not sure if I described the area too. It's actually called Short Pump Area. It's like a, it's really, it's a little built up area. It's really nice actually. Um, very uh, expensive area. And I end up having to drive all the way back there to pick up this iPad the day before he's leaving for South Africa. So I am driving an hour and 15 minutes down the road and like speeding back to get this iPad to him for his birthday before he leaves because I really wanted him to take that with you um and it was the iPad one (laughs) and it's funny because we actually still have that stupid iPad it's not good for anything but we still have it so he is asked to go on this trip to South Africa he gets there now mind you this is his version of the story because I'm not there I can only tell you you know, the fact that he was able to go after we saw that video just a couple months prior was ironic to me. I'm like, we just watched the video in South Africa. We had never thought about visiting South Africa. Now you actually get to go there and stay for an extended period of time. Like that's got to mean something. So he gets there and he calls me and he is so excited on the phone I can't even tell you. He was so excited. I was giggling over here in America because he was so excited about being there. And I said, is it really that awesome? He was like, oh, it's so awesome. And they had built everything up for the World Cup. They had uh, hotels and the food. And he was just describing all these things. And I'm excited. I'm like, I want to go. I want to go now. Well, he was lucky enough to meet the chief of police. And the chief of police basically became his friend. So I'm thinking, what are the chances that you would meet the chief of police? But he did. And he's a charming guy. So I'm sure that yeah, and he makes friends easily. So I'm sure that that wasn't a hard thing to do. Uh, And the chief of police is sincere. And he's like, bring your family over here. And we live here. And we say a lot of things that we don't mean. Like, call me, (laughs) send me a text, or let's meet up for drinks. Most of the time, you're just, it's just rhetoric. Like, you're not really meaning 
to do any of those things. But this guy actually meant it. So they exchanged information and for about seven to nine, about nine months, he continued to contact Mark and ask him, when are you coming? When are you bringing your family? When are you coming? When are you bringing your family? When are you coming? So eventually, uh, we decided that we would go visit. Now, mind you, I have no idea what to expect. Mark only knows where he stayed in a hotel was nice. It was very nice, actually. He doesn't know what the chief of police's living conditions is like. And, you know, if you want to see pictures, we can upload them on our um on our Facebook page or on our Instagram and show you what the house looked like. There's actually pictures of Mark and the chief of police on our Instagram page um, for the real South Africa. So we say, okay, we're going to go, we're going to go. And I'm like, well, when are we going to go? So at this point, Mark's like, we're going to go for Christmas. So I'm like, okay. My first thought is it's December. He's like, check the weather. And of course, December is there summer so we prepare and it's myself our daughter who at the time is barely a teenager and his mother and we don't know what to expect so Mark says all right I'm gonna take a pocket full of cash just to be sure in case we have to like dip out the living conditions are what we expect because we keep in mind we have no idea what to expect so we they pick us up at the airport they've made this huge banner that says like um welcome to south africa the blantons and we're like what is this and they've got like they got their entire families there they've got like people waiting for us to come visit them they're that excited so we're like all right what is they pick us up in uh two suvs um one was a bmw x5 and i think the other one was um, a truck that they don't make here but we're like, okay, now it is hot. So when we left DC uh, or Dallas International Airport, I should say, um, I've got on like full fledged like boots, jeans, layers and clothes, big old coat. I'm not I'm not thinking that when I get off the plane, it's going to be, you know, 80 plus degrees outside. So we land and it is hot and I'm overdressed. No, that's a lesson that I learned that I do not do that anymore. Um, I always take a change of clothes with me so that I can <laughs> change on the plane before I get off. Because it's always, the seasons are always different when we leave here. Um, so we get there and we're driving and the scenery is absolutely beautiful. And the chief of police takes us to his house. Mind you, we have no idea what to expect. And we get to this area where there's like this huge gated community. The houses are enormous, the equivalent of what we would be like. That's a really big house. I'm talking like four or five thousand square foot homes with marble heated tile floors and clawfoot bathtubs. And I mean, you name it, you're like, this is Africa? Because you've never seen anything like that. So we're there and for the entire time that we're there they pay for everything the money that we left with we came back home with because they would not let us pay for anything they were so hospitable we were thinking okay 
Is this even like, is this normal at this point? So that was Mark's second time there. He had been treated very well his first. So now his second time, he's getting the same treatment. So at this point, it's my first time. I am completely taken aback at how awesome the food was, how great the people were. So then we say to ourselves, okay, is this normal or is this just them? So we take a risk again and we decide that if we really want to know South Africa, we're going to have to do it our own way in a place where we don't know anybody. So we decide like crazy people or people that continually take risks to spend two months in South Africa. But this time we spend the two months in Cape Town. So we spend two months in Cape Town. Mind you, we don't know anybody there. Mark is determined to drive while we're there. So he rents a car they drive on the opposite side of the road, on the opposite side of the car, and we figure it out like we always do. And while we were there for those two months, the people there were the most hospitable. They were giving. They were nice. They treated us amazing. And our third day there, our third, yeah, like a third day there, we met um, a lady that is still our friend to this day. She is the best. Her heart is amazing. And I have an affinity for sugar, which you will hear me talk about probably more than enough. Uh, and I see this bakery that's on the TV. And I'm like, I want to go to that bakery. My husband being who he is, he's like, my wife wants to go to a bakery. I'm going to take her to a bakery. So he takes me to this bakery. And while we're there, I'm just wanting to stand outside of the bakery and take a picture. And this wonderful lady comes up and says, in her beautiful South African voice, must I take a picture of you? I'm like, must? Okay, fine. So she takes this picture of us and ultimately she just starts talking. She's like, why are you here? What are you doing? Are you from America? We're like, yeah. She's like, you must let me take you here. And again, people on this side, they tell you they're going to call you. They tell you they want to do X, Y, and Z. And they don't really mean it. But over there, they mean what they say. So she literally said, I'm going to call you when I get off from work on Friday. And I'm going to come and I want to meet you guys. I want to pick you up. I want to take you, you know, to meet my family. And she does just that. She comes and she meets us and she takes us to um, out to the wine country and we spend the entire day in Stellenbosch and then we meet um, her mom and we meet um, her daughter and her daughter's friend and these people are she made so much food it's just me and my husband she made enough food to feed it had to be at least 12, 13, 15, 20 people. And she's like, oh, it's fine. I cook like this all the time. I'm like, oh, my word. So she, she's, so everyone that we meet, they're literally giving of themselves, meeting their family. Let me show you this. So at this point, we're completely sold. We're like, everyone should know what this feels like. Everyone should know how awesome South Africa is. And with that being said, Mark was like, why don't we begin the process of hosting people to travel with us to South Africa and allow them not just the traditional, um, you know, what you're used to when you think South Africa, because most people think South Africa, they do immediately think Cape Town. They do immediately think Kruger National Park. But our experiences led us to 
people and networking and being able to understand that like it's not just about visiting the tourist sites those things are important but it's really about being able to experience the people and how nice they are and how much they want to know about you and how much they want to tell you about themselves and about their history and just that whole feeling of them wanting to welcome you is not something that you expect when you hear South Africa because you hear so many negative things about it in general. So our goal in creating the Real South Africa was to make sure that we showed people the real portions of South Africa, not just safaris, not just Durban, not just Cape Town and the beaches, not just all the things that we're going to show you on the tour that we have, but also show you all the things that no one talks about. All of the wonderful places to eat, all of the upscale amenities that they have, all of the shopping. The shopping is out of this world. I mean, the place literally has a mall, probably like every three miles it feels like, because each area is contained in and of itself. When you think about how we drive 45 minutes to work, some people don't do that. They have to live and work in their area. So everything that they need is in that area. It's a novel concept, maybe, maybe not, but it works. And just the pride that they have within themselves is amazing. And it is one of those things that you definitely need to experience just so that you can have a different idea of what it means to know South Africa. So that is our new love. And that is why we are loving the ability to share South Africa with people. And I think that if you get the opportunity, like I said earlier, to visit our website, therealsouthafrica.com, you'll be able to get an idea of what the trips actually cost. You'll get an idea of what to expect while you're with us. And if you visit our Facebook page or join our Facebook group or even look at our pictures on Instagram, you'll kind of have an idea of what South Africa is about for us and what you're going to be able to experience. It's not anything like you think at all. And it is a new passion for us. And we want so much to share that with everyone. And that's why I encourage everyone to definitely go to therealsouthafrica.com. So we've covered quite a bit today. Uh, we have a little bit of a global background. Um, you know a little bit about who we are. You know a little bit about me, I should say. If there's any questions that I didn't answer, please send me an email. I hope that you enjoyed listening to Everyday with the Blantons. I am Latasha, and Mark will be on with us on our next show. So we hope that you take the time to visit all of our social networking sites and tune in next Monday where we will continue our talk and our love for South Africa. Thanks for tuning in. Until next time, educate yourself and have fun in the process. Thank you for tuning in to Everyday News with the Blantons. 
We hope you've enjoyed today's program and we'll tune in again next Monday morning at 6 a.m. Pacific Time and 9 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a nice week.